0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. And welcome everybody to another episode of the Ed the Pagan Show on the Pagans Tonight Network. Um, as you know, this will be show 3,103. I'm so excited, and I know that you guys are always listening there. I uh, want to thank everybody who was with me on the last show with Lawrence Lerner, and I think he's going to have a, some big announcements coming up, and we're going to hope to have him back. And remember, a lot about our financial commitment to the community. Um, uh, the next show after this one is going to be with Gregory. Brewer, and he's going to talk about magical treat. Nice, but I have a really special treat. I'm very excited, and I hope I get this name right. Melanie Marchi, is that right? That's right. How you pronounce that? That's right. Oh, good, yeah. yay! Great, and you know, that's, you don't have to take a drink today. Uh, the, there's a, there's a drinking game so associated with my show. Um, when I mess up people's names, I that's a shot. People have gotten really drunk because I I do do terrible things with words. We have uh, Melanie with us, and she is not only just a lifelong practitioner of magic, and she has founded things like the United Woodcutter Coven. She is a writer. She's a you know she's one of the many souls that worked on the Pagan Pride project, which you know I saw a lot of the door. Um, and one of the books, and I, I just saw this in her biography, and I didn't realize I've read this book. She wrote, she's uh, wrote one of the most favorite books I have out there. Um, one of my heroes, actually, Carl uh, Llewellyn Um, she did that. And I did not know that until I saw, read, read her biography today. Um, oh, thank is, you so uh, much for not?
0: mentioning that.
1: Well, I'm, you have to understand, for me, Carl is the single most influential pagan of the 20th century. Um, Absolutely.
0: He did so much.
1: <laughs> he did so much, and so much of what we did out there. But we're not really talking about him yet. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, like I said, he's a bit. I'm a. I'm a big fanboy, so um, I wouldn't be here if it's not for what he did, and a lot of other people. But more importantly, so why don't you give me a little bit of a history, our audience, a little bit of a history of what, how you got here? You know, like I said, the comic book hero story. We all have.
0: No, um, well, I'm not sure what to say. First of all, I just want to say hello to everybody out there listening. I'm super excited to talk to you all today and to be on the show. Um, so how I ended up on the Ed the Pagan show today? I guess the story begins. Yeah, um, I don't know where to begin. I guess like like most people oh, yeah, out me, there are, me, had let an let interest in. So, okay, I was gonna
1: say I was asking so. One of the things is everybody comes to this magic community differently. Um, for me, it was a, a decade of tarot cards at fourteen years old. Um, how did you become? How did you become a practicing ma- magical person, you know, a witch uh,
0: out there? You
1: know, did, did it just well it as a, or did...
0: Yeah, it was pretty natural. As a kid, I just sort of grew up believing in things like that. My mom had a belief in and the occult and magic and she is naturally psychic so i grew up with her teaching me how to you know, move the clouds and do simple weather magic and she'd have me practice with candle flames trying to get them to grow or shrink and we do different different games to sharpen psychic skills like trying telepathy or doing this um, drawing game where we need to try to draw what the other person was Drawing and things like that, so I just really just never doubted it. I thought it was kind of a natural thing. And, and when I was about 15 years old, I discovered some Llewellyn books in the bookstore at the local mall, and and um, I began to read those and realized, oh like you know, I was just like, for one, I was surprised kind of to realize that, that there is a name for this stuff, and that you know that there is apparently a whole you know whole bunch of people doing this by a certain name, and I didn't really realize that it was, that it was. by that time I had realized that it was sort of different because I was going to school in the South, so, um, you know, I, I, people thought I was satanic simply because I didn't go to a church. They had no idea that I was doing magic or anything like that, but they thought I was the devil anyway, basically, so by that time I had an awareness that it wasn't something that everybody did, but it um, wasn't until I discovered some... Um, books by Scott Cunningham and other authors that I realized that there was a name for it. So um, I started reading a lot, and I got more and more into it. And um, basically, when I got older, I ended up dropping out of college at one point (laughs) in my life. I'd always enjoyed writing, and I thought, well, I still want to have some sort of career, so I'll try writing. And I've always been interested in magic, so... What I figure with this is, you know, it's a, a smaller community. So I'll I'll try out try out, um, writing for the pagan magical community and see how that goes. So that way if I mess up, you know, nobody in the mainstream writing community will know me or whatever. So I started writing magic books. But fortunately it worked and you know, now I feel like I really wouldn't want to write anything else. So I, I do end up writing a greater variety of stuff, but um, I absolutely love it. So Kind of like my mistakes led me to writing for the pagans in particular, (laughs) but that's where I'm meant to be, for sure. So what was your first book that you got
1: published? What was what? What was your first book that you got published? It's called The
0: Witch's Bag of Tricks. The Witch's Bag of Tricks, and it came out in 2011. And that's a book that I wrote. I would started out, when I first started writing um, for the pagan community, I started by interviewing a lot of the authors that were out there, you know, well before I had any books myself. And what I found was, um, you know, even amongst these extremely talented people, and you know, to me people that their lives seem so so exciting and thrilling, and they knew so much, and they had been, you know, practicing for all this time and writing books on the subject, I still just kind of got this sense of, just a little bit of jadedness I've got to say just kind of overall you know people I didn't think people were as excited about it as it seemed to me as they should be <laughs> you know there seemed to be a little bit of kind of stagnation or just kind of um, kind of a little bit of boredom or just kind of um, you know not not too much growth not too many people putting putting new ideas out there and you know willing to question question things and try to try to move forward and come up with new ideas like to me that's a whole philosophy of occult philosophy is to to seek out more to grow to challenge ideas to learn new things and i just felt this kind of stagnation so i wrote the witch's bag of tricks as a way to give people of any path just more ideas to to um to think more about things to question your own beliefs and just kind of dissect your beliefs a little bit in order to help people to progress on whatever path they're on because especially in Celtic, um, not Celtic, in a collective practice, you may you not know, have, like, a training system. So, you know, you're kind of on your own as far as progression goes. So I wanted to – the book has lots of exercises and just questions to think about to help people um, develop their own thoughts a little further and more expansively. And um, so
1: I'm we're going to get back into your books, but I'm going to jump right into your next project because I think it's very, very – bold, and let me go ahead, it is bold, and that is the Mystical Minds Convention, and it's going to meet for the first time in March, if I got that right.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm absolutely
1: thrilled about this. Let's talk about this. Um, So, let me, can you give us, so give us some information so if they want to find out, so they can join you at it, where they would go to find out about it. I mean, in in
0: a direct way. Well, you, like, is it? Go ahead. Well, there's all the information is at mysticalmindsconvention.com, and you'll find on there on um, the list of presenters we have lined up a list of the panel discussions, um, the overall you know, mission statement and you know, vision behind this this event. Um, I'm super excited about this. It's going to be held March 28th and March 29th, and Newark, California, which is an enclave of Fremont, so it's right there. It's very near San Francisco. It's near San Jose. It's near Sacramento. It's near Oakland, so it's very accessible from all these different places. It's going to be at the Comfort Inn and Suite there, March 28th and 29th, a two-day event this coming spring, but my vision for this event is basically to bring together the paranormal communities and the pagan communities and people that have interest in New Age philosophies and this is honestly something that I've thought about for all my interest in in this stuff basically it's always struck me as just odd that there's not more not more mixing and blending within these different interests for some reason there seems to be this strange divide between people that are in the New Age community and people that are in pagan communities and people that are in paranormal communities. And while I understand these communities are very different, like we all do have a lot of similar common interests. We are all teachers. We are all curious to learn more. And and we all have knowledge to share, most importantly. So I'm super excited to get these different people together to learn from each other, to expand our different networks of people. Um, you know, because we all, we all reach out to different groups too, as, as Authors for pagans, there's authors for the new age community, and really, since there's so much common interest and so much knowledge that we can share, I really feel like this will this is going to be a enormous benefit and a grand way, because I think it's going to expand our different networks, so that we can all you know, all tap into that, enjoy that, and make some friends in the process. It's going to be very, very intimate and small scale this first year, but we have some amazing presenters so that actually makes it like mm-hmm. extremely you know rare unique event um right mm-hmm. there just to be in such a such an intimate small setting with these you know famous well-known authors award-winning authors and you know radio broadcasters and, um you know I, I did invite you ed i wish that you would come to my festival i must say i'm gonna put you on the spot right now <laughs> <Okay>. well, <I laughs> you should be there <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and, and we'll talk about it. I'd be more than happy to. Um, as everybody knows, I'm on the road this year. Um, the Ed the Peggy Show, Magic Miracle, Miracle Tours. I'm, I'm looking to film our community this year. I'm trying to, as everybody's heard, I'm building uh, the sort of try to create 10 episodes so that I can get them on Netflix or Hulu or one of those things. That's my big goal for the year. Um, it okay, is. Okay. It's, it's, it's a, well, we all have to do it. So you took a big leap. So this is your first year of doing this. And you do. You have some really great names um, uh, on there, and I was noticing them earlier. And so how did you get the idea of doing this? I mean, this is like – conventions are really tough. I've done events. Hmm? I've done events.
0: events. Well, I've been organizing the Denver Pagan Pride Festival for many years now, so I have experience doing festivals. But I've thought for a while now that I wanted to do some, you know, event production for my own, you know, just of my own orchestration, not for Pagan Pride, but for my own self. And I heard the announcement that PantheaCon, that this would be the final year of the PantheaCon, which is a um, very popular Pagan convention in the West mm-hmm. Coast. Um, this is their final year of that. And I, like others, were sad to hear this. So, uh, I don't know. I just felt at that time it just kind of spurred me into feeling like that that this was the time that I needed to do this. I I I don't like to think about people feeling sad and disappointed, and you know I too felt sad and disappointed. So I wanted to um, be able to give people something else to um, to you know hopefully look forward to and something that they will be welcome at. It's very different from Pantheon and that um, you know, I like to say it's this first year is going to be a a larger scale but smaller scope you know meaning we're we're going to bring in more than this isn't just for pagans it's for anybody that has mm-hmm. interest in metaphysical topics paranormal topics pagan topics it's for it's for all these people so i feel like um you know that's going to be more a little more welcoming i think to different different types of people and a little more um, you know a little, something different a little more welcoming um Friendly, friendly environment for for newcomers and oldcomers alike. So, I'm hoping that so people I will be excited about it, and that'll help people, um, you know, feel a little bit better about the sad loss of Penfearcon. Absolutely. Well,
1: you know, Penfearcon is everything has its life and everything has its cycle. Um, but I saw you had Tommy Starchild, and yes, um, yes, I'm very excited. And some other things out there. I have people that I've never ever. Um, ever saw before, so that that's interesting um people I you know yeah, yeah. Athletes, I always talk about these idea of parallel communities that we have, and so that always found that interesting so so you've got a lot of different names out there coming out to there um uh so in some different groups, and the idea of this is that you're going to have um, more people that are going to be kind of interested in the idea of. Not just pagan and Wiccanism, but kind of the more of the whole idea of the mystical mind. Can you describe us a little bit of what the mystical mind concept behind this is?
0: Well, I think about it as the type of person that is curious to learn more, that's curious to to look beyond the the ordinary and to look beneath the surface, and and you know, people who have interest in you know occult philosophies or metaphysical topics or normal topics. Um, you know, basically people who are willing to, to question and, you know, and also, um, you know, pay attention to their own power of, um, you know, figuring things out and deciphering things and, you know, giving your own intuition and instincts, you know, a little credit as well. And, you know, people who are willing to explore and interested in meeting others who might think a little differently, who might not be in your ordinary spheres, but people you wouldn't otherwise encounter, people who are open-minded to the idea of of learning and sharing ideas with a diverse group of people. So I think that the whole design of the event and the whole concept of the mystical mind is gonna um, going to bring together a group of people who are very very open to other beliefs and who are very, very friendly and open-minded and, you know, ready to learn and explore and have some fun together. So I'm, I'm really expecting it to be a very wonderful time.
1: It it sounds like it. So everybody, this is a good chance. you always say, you know, you always want to be there at times. And this year is a very interesting year because it's a year not only of just endings, but it's a year of great beginnings and people are really feeling the same. Um, I'm seeing so much about the roaring 20s and everybody has this strong sense that this next decade is going to be a miraculous decade. So if you can come out to mysticalmindsconvention.com, check it out. Because I have a feeling that if you are there this first year, you're going to be really happy with uh, the investment of the time. And I, you know, I always love first time events because they're so full of promise and they're so exciting. So go out and do, do that and and we'll be talking about Pantheacon and uh later on in other shows, but I want to get back into one thing so you wrote i see um the 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 biography of uh the, of um carl uh, Llewellyn Wacheski.
0: um yes Carl Westkey yes
1: Wischke. uh and so um we once gave him a roundtable award i've asked people know. When people do these surveys of the top 25 Pagans of Wiccans, his name is almost never on any of these lists, and every always me protest that. Mm-hmm. Um, most Absolutely. Of would, <laughs> most of those names would even be on the list for what he had done, um, and the energy that he did, his early convention work, and so much of that. But it must have been very exciting to get into. You must. You obviously you got behind the scenes and got into some of the paperwork, like the Gardner, Gardnerian letters and the letters from Gardner and things of that nature. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of doing the book?
0: It was pretty amazing, once-in-a-lifetime experience that I will never forget. I basically got to got to go to the Llewellyn offices um, on a couple of different occasions and explore the the boxes of um, papers that Carl had kept as personal papers um, dating back since literally like the 50s, a few things from the 40s when he was in school. Um, So I had all, all kinds of stuff. Um, He had fortunately saved things like all these amazing speeches he had given with his work through the NAACP and ACLU in Minnesota for the fair housing um, Right. That to me was the treasure that I found because as, as I'm sure you've read in you know little short uh, biographies about Carl Weiske on line it might mention you know he was also involved in civil rights work but that's really all anybody knew he was not one to as you said you know not many people even know who he is like he preferred to work behind the scenes unless it was necessary to be in the spotlight but you know he was never really trying to toot his own horn in any way. and anyway and like while I had known he was you know more heavily involved in civil rights, like, I had no idea, but I found, you know, just the treasure trove of speeches that he had given to different groups, you know, all documented with the date, you know, and then, you know, he mentioned, you know, this is a, you know, newspaper that covered this event, and, you know, and just seeing, like, what all he did, like, he did, he did amazing, amazing work for fair housing um, legislation in Minnesota and St. Paul in particular for Many many years, and at the same time, he was building up Llewellyn, the publishing company, and he was doing this in order to. He is very passionate about getting this knowledge out in the world. So, you know, and and getting to see all his paperwork and stuff, I, I got to see like how he he specifically like he reached out to all these um, you know newspaper people across the country. He made those personal connections with the reporters and you know with the editors and stuff that he needed to help him get some publicity for the stuff and he really he really pushed it and put it out there and orchestrated it in a far larger way than I had any inkling of even though I already (laughs) knew he was phenomenally influential it was just amazing to me how he how he literally got these stories in the papers about you know how this is a big thing people are seeking more you know now people are looking into these occult philosophies and you know, and by talking about it as if it's a thing, it did indeed, like, bring people out of the woodwork and let people know there was this information available. So, you know, it, it was already a thing underground. It already is, you know, but by talking about it and making a space for it, like, he really, um, you know, he he brought it up. He, <laughs> he helped it grow in tremendous ways, Tremendous. So it was just wonderful that. to be able to look through all this stuff he had kept, and he kept like, um, you know, articles that you know showed also his study of the occult, and that he just you know, had articles clipped that he found interesting about any occult topic, you know, from way back. Like it was just really cool.
1: And I know uh, the garden, uh, the letters of Gardner that he got from uh, uh, Gardner himself and his correspondences with him. Uh, people don't realize how much it is. I say today that. There's bookshelves all over the world that basically are filled because of the fact of his actions. You know, and he, he really did bring these voices out there. He's one of the inspirations, I will say, as everybody knows, um, my inspiration as I move forward. Um, uh, he was one of my early encouragements for radio. I have one interview we lost because it, it was on tape. not set of nice permanent digital materials. That um, I was able to, to do with him, and one of these very short, but um, it is this concept because he one of the proud moments for him was uh, Scott Cunningham. He was always very proud to have been able to bring his words to you know to the forefront uh, before uh, Scott's un- unfortunate passage into or fortune for Scott. I mean, you know, is it good? Is it bad or good to die? We always learn that. You know, mm-hmm. we, we teach these sort of things. It's a hard question for us to take. It's a little different. You know, because we have a different philosophy. And I've seen that you've written, so you wrote that heavy book, and then you've written, uh, you wrote the Beltane, there's the seri- the Sabbath series, you wrote the Beltane, and I'm not going to try to pronounce the other holiday. I always butcher it. I'm not going to give you guys a drink today. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll go with Llama. That was easier to say. <laughs> Llama, Yeah, uh,
1: I always try to go with that. And you've written Book of Moon Spells and, and um, a number of other things. And you've also done a tarot card deck, the uh, Modern Spellcaster's Tarot deck. Yeah. Um, and you worked with Scott Murphy on that, I believe, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, to get to illustrate an artist. And so that must have been a very interesting process. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of people who are now producing tarot decks. But when you produced it, it was, it was just starting to get more popular produced decks, I think. Um, there was, they were, they were starting to pick up, but it's still pretty difficult because that's a lot of work, right? And uh, uh, getting all that inspiration. So, how did you, how did you approach doing it from that point of view as a spellcaster's stack versus? And actually, um, I've played with the deck. As everybody knows, I love. It. Hello, I, I feel like my
0: connection is cut out. Are you oh, out I'm, there? Can oh. you hear me? Oh, okay, you're back. Yeah, I can hear you I'm just fine. Out, briefly. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I believe we you we were, were asking just about fine. my tarot deck. Were yes, you asking you about my tarot together? deck and creating it? Yes, and it's
1: creating it, especially from a spellcaster's point of view. I mean, that had to be very different.
0: Well, yeah, I wanted to particularly design it so that it would be good for divination and still be able to be read intuitively. But I wanted particularly it to be good for the act of using tarot in spells. You know, like you might set a card on your altar for a certain reason or manipulate the cards a certain way or carry one with you as a sort of talisman. So um, for that reason, some of the cards, um, well, all the cards have Um, you know, extra additional symbols in them relating to the number of the card or, you know, there'll be just little extra things to give it more um, magical meaning. And some of the cards are a little more extreme for that reason, like the devil card is um, very, very, very heavy metal style, (laughs) I guess you'd say. But it's disturbing to um, many people. Um, I love it and I definitely, to me it was important to have have that element that, to me, that's the essence that the card is supposed to represent is all this, you know, corpulence and, you know, just, in, you know, overindulgence and this domination and, you know, just this this stuff like this, like that stuff is a part of life and, and you know, it's something that you might need to represent in your magic if you're trying to do some magic to overcome such forces. So um, I wanted to, you know, a lot of the imagery is very, very stark and abrupt like that and very... um very blunt and to the point so that it would have greater magical effect. But, um, I got really lucky that Scott Murphy agreed to do the tarot. He had never done a tarot before. He's made art for Magic the Gathering and, and lots of different publishers mm-hmm. so he's really, he's really good. Like, he was in the process of getting his master's degree in art while he was doing my tarot deck and he actually created them all. They're all oil paintings. They're not done digitally so I think that gives it that that real quality that I definitely appreciated as the as the debt creator. So I basically got to describe to him exactly what I wanted in the image. Then he would make pencil sketches, and I would you know um, you know make any changes or suggestions that I wanted. And he would do the do the final version. But um, it was an awesome process and a great so it project like a to do gal- for sure.
1: Must be like a little art gallery in of itself. That's a lot of paintings. Um,
0: yeah yeah it's amazing 78 oil paintings. so yeah it's a lot of work like I said I feel very lucky that he agreed to do the project for sure and so that
1: and so everything we've been talking about is available through Llewellyn Um, please go through your local bookstore if you have to through Amazon that's fine use one of the Amazon Cares for one of our groups out there but you know go to the local bookstore and ask for them They'll, they'll be happy if they can't yeah, if they don't have it on the shelves, then they should. Um, if not, then they can order it for you. So, so go out there and look for some of this. I see that you, one of the last things, so the one last thing I want to cover, um, I see that you are a traditional working witch. Uh, is that the proper term for it? A working practitioner. And that you do yes. tarot card readings, you do handwriting uh, analysis, you do customized classes, you know, you do the traditional. The one thing I saw is witchcraft services. I'm interested in what do you mean by witchcraft services?
0: Um well, what I mean by witchcraft services is the work that a witch may do like um I'm I'm a little different in that I don't I, I don't um you know charge for um, work like that in particular <laughs> you know like to me like a witch's work is you know things like if if I really you know feel like someone is indeed cursed for instance or if I really feel like somebody does indeed have some sort of you know attachment of a bad entity or things like that i I will do that work, or if there's a spirit that you know is kind of you know trapped and needs some help moving on or some you know held in this world or anything I can do like that, I'm happy to provide those services and how I do it is if anybody contacts me about that, what I'll try to do first is let them know. How they can do this on their own and I'll give them instructions of, you know, here you can try this, you can try this. If if there's any ingredients necessary, if they can't get those themselves, I might put something together for them and send it to them. And in that case, they'd have to pay for the materials and shipping costs or whatever. And if somebody does want me to come out on site and I have to do it and travel or something, I'm I'm pretty poor, honestly, so I have to have my, you know, travel (laughs) expenses covered, but and yeah, basically, I'm willing to do these witchly services because that's my witchly work in the world, so it's part of um it's part of what I do you know that if you can you know,
1: <laughs> so one of the big things I tell people all the time I have to work with the Witches of Salem and some of the witches of New Orleans, which they have huge demands for this. there's nothing wrong with it, and it's a very traditional uh, aspect of it um recently, I've been reading about the Romans. Uh, Roman sorcerers, and they found a whole cachet of where they were making charms for sale, kind of like an Etsy shop, they joke about it, but they made mass charms for people and they would then sell them charms. A lot of them were revenge charms or when the, they were wrong, but some of them were for love and things like that. So the idea of in the medieval ages, it, witchcraft was an a industry. I mean, it was something that people did right. and they were willing to exchange costs. So there's nothing wrong in the world exchanging energy and knowledge for whatever it is that's resources. I'm a big believer in that. I have no problem with that in our witch uh, community. And I always tell people the reason why we right. have restrictions is because the Christian church made it an additional crime so if they couldn't get you for your witchcraft they could get you for charging for things they didn't believe in. And so I'm a big believer in that that is a very good thing. There's nothing wrong with it. And, if, and people do the services. And um, and let the buyer beware. So, you know, I've always I always say, let the buyer beware. You know, it's it's that energy is important. And you know, if you ask for everything for free, then you wouldn't do it for anything else.
0: Yeah, I guess it's kind of more like it's like, well, I'm willing to do such work. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to seek it out. You know, like I don't enjoy taking on. Dark energies, you know I can do it, and i'm I'm damn good at it, you know, and I'm willing to do it, but I'm not trying to seek out more of that business, you know, so I'm happy charging for tarot readings, I'm happy charging for writing help and things like that, you know <laughs> i'd rather I'd rather be available to those who need it, but I definitely don't wanna I'm not trying to trying to attract those types of jobs whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I don't think there's anything wrong with those that do. If they want to do that, I don't think there's anything wrong with charging. I just wanted to make it clear that, I, that I'm not personally doing that, like as a profitable arm of my business. <laughs>
1: so, so, so if you need her, get in contact with her. But make sure not you, don't say, "Oh, that would be a good job." There.
0: But you are practicing one
1: art. I think it's going. Yeah. I think it's going to become. Um, I think. Within, I think within a generation, you won't see it anymore. Handwriting analysis. Um, as we leave the handwriting world behind, that's a that's an older skill, and uh, I think that's very yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty fun. I mean, and things. there's just some simple things you can see, of like, you know, for instance, like if if the way somebody dots their eye, like if the dot of the eye is to the right of the letter, you know, then that means they're thinking ahead when they're they're thinking of the future when they wrote that. Or if it's right over it, they're thinking of the present. And If it's you know, to the left of the eye, it means they're thinking of the past. <laughs> it's
1: interesting. Yeah, because I don't think there's as many people who are doing handwriting as it is. I actually never handwrite. I print everything since I was a kid. Um, As soon as I got, yeah, that was something the military taught me because my handwriting. It's terrible. It's not even doctor quality. Uh, <laughs> I always joke about it. I'm, I'm a terrible handwriter, so I learned to print. And almost everything I do is in print. And, um, and I've seen i have mean? that in a lot of younger. Huh? Yep. So. So one okay. So one last thing, and uh, I, I think that it is. You got into this. You practiced this as a child, and you got into it. What do you, you have the experiences that you can share with us? And you knew that magic was real for you. What was the moment that you just knew it was real? I mean, you talked about it very strongly that you always believed it was real, so you didn't have that eureka moment like a lot of us as practitioners have. But do you have a moment yeah, that not, you share with me? Not them?
0: really, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's I don't know, there's just so many experiences I can't really um, <clears throat> yeah, pinpoint an exact one. Of you yeah, know, this was, um the moment that I started believing, I don't know, it just, um. I I don't know, I I just never really doubted it and didn't really, um, you know, think it was, I don't know, I just always, you know, I've seen my mom do spells and things like that growing up, so I just didn't, didn't ever um, think it wasn't real, so I didn't really have that moment of, wow, it's real, (laughs) although I must say, though, even though, you know, I believe that, even though I'm practicing this long, like, (laughs) you know, I, I do still get that thrill when something seems to super work really well, you know, and then I, I wonder, well, why am I, like, you know, why do I do you have that feeling of, like, surprise and awe, you know, when a spell works really well? Because, like, I do believe in it, so it shouldn't be it shouldn't be surprising when it works, but it kind of is, right, when it works super well.
1: Oh, <laughs> so you I know. I think magic you talk, always
0: thrills us every time.
1: <laughs> well, you talk about the jaded, when you were first starting, how jaded some people are. Um, I will say that I got kind of that way, and I got slapped last year. I got slapped hard last year um, with the idea of magic. And then, and that was very interesting because um, that's put me on this path this year, try to kind of explain things, try to create a better understanding of it. Because as everybody knows, I've been colorblind all my life, and I had a spirit encounter last year, and it's verifiable that my uh, colorblindness went away, and I've got full-spectrum color sight now. It's really changed the way I look Mm -hmm. at things. This has been a shocking thing, and so for me, that was one of those moments. Like, okay, I got to get back to your work and uh, and have that. And so people really love what you do, and you've done some really great books. So let's talk a little bit one more time about the Mystical Minds Convention. You got a lot of people coming out to it. It's in uh, March 28th and 29th. It's a two-day event this year. It's out in how do you pronounce
0: the town again? It's in Newark, California. Yeah, it's going to be a great event. We've got Jason Minky, who's a popular pagan author. We've got Clifford Hartley-Lowe, who's um, people who um, have gone to Pantheon. will know him from his presentations there and his amazing work and knowledge mm-hmm. of ancient grimoire, magic, and um, all manners of stuff. He's extremely knowledgeable. Um, I'm super excited to have Victor Furman, who's a... Uh, radio broadcaster he does destinations unlimited and he's well known in the paranormal communities coming all the way out from new york state to um be at our events i'm super stoked to have him we have katrina rasbold who's an author of i think she has about 37 books already to her name and um, we have nicholas Pearson, who's a more winning author who writes about crystals and gems and he's a Ray-K expert. Um, so we just have a wonderful mix. We also have many of the local paranormal groups from the area in California, like um, Alameda Paranormal Researchers will be coming out. Um, we have Tiffany Turner that's going to be showing some of her ghost investigation equipment, like, you know, some of the these devices that you'll see on these um, you know, these these ghost hunting shows on TV. So I'm super excited to have people together like these ghost investigators that have these technologies to use. And then also mediums and people who approach it from that perspective on a panel discussion about spirit communication, which is just one of the things you'll find at um, the Mystical Minds Convention. So things like that to me are going to be very exciting. We have panel discussions on magic spirit communication dreams and divination we have presentations on astrology numerology witchcraft casting, and um, the paranormal um, divination or different sorts All all kinds of things it's going to be very a, a lot of bang for your buck but um you better sign up quick if you do want to because this event is very small scale this year um Despite our amazing list of presenters we have at this point, there's fewer, less than 200 tickets available now. So if anybody is interested, please go to mysticalmindsconvention.com and go ahead and register. Because I, I kind of doubt we're going to have on-site registration at this point. It's looking like it's going to sell out well before. It doesn't so.
1: sound like it's. It doesn't sound like you're going to right? with that. And everybody knows Jason Mankey, you know, one of our biggest night hosts so if you want to hear, you know, meet him live? Get out there, see him. Uh, yeah, Jason yeah, was one of our fa- is one of our favorite was one of our favorite hosts on Pagan Tonight. Um, so yeah, we that that's an amazing event, uh, mystical minds convention. And uh, and how can they contact you directly? They want now, they want to teach you. They want you to do, you know they want you to do tarot card reading. They want to you know and do more with you. They want to find out more about you. How do they do that?
0: Well, they can go on my website, com. It's M-E-L-A-N-I-E-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S.com, and that has my email address and all my contact info on there. Um, yeah, anybody's welcome to get in touch for whatever reason. I'd love to hear from you. And
1: absolutely. Well, thank you for being on with us today. I really so appreciate it. Um, I think it's been a marvelous look at, at that sort of thing. Um, I think this convention sounds amazing. I think that, uh, and like I said, thank you for writing the book on, uh, uh, Carl, because that it's been a delight to read all that. And I I did not connect it until today with two of them. Um, so that, um, so any last thoughts before you, before we head out into our evenings, it's Friday night. I know there's a lot of people out there going to be doing magic out there. I can sense it. I can taste it. And everybody's so excited for the start of the
0: new year. Um, All right. Well, I I do. I I feel compelled. I would like to share some words that I feel like are coming to me, coming through me from Carl Weskey that you were just talking about, the former owner of Luwell and Worldwide. And I would like to share some of his famous quotes of, step one, be more than you are. Be more than you are. Which means, you know, grow. Be more than you are. Take up more space in the world. Do your stuff bigger and bigger. And then the other, as he always likes to say when they're doing a toast, success, success, success. So I wish for you all out there, success, success, success in the new year and beyond.
1: And how can it be? So uh, that's thank you. So, so thank you so much. Those are great words and everything else. So, everybody, if you've been listening, share this podcast, share it out there, go out and visit her, Put her know out there, you know, check her out check everything out about this, you know, make her, let's get some of these books back into the thing. And I'll make sure that she, to do it, go to your local bookstores, please. I beg you go to your local bookstores. Okay. If not, if you have to, Amazon's probably got all of these listed too. So Kate, I don't have anything against Amazon, but you know me, your local bookstore, your community starts with spending money in your local community with your local people. Uh, We want to thank Melanie for being here with us today and spending some time on this wonderful hunt and sharing these wonderful words. And uh, so until next time, which is on Friday, we will be, or Sunday, we will be talking to Gregor Brewer about the magical art of trees. And that'll be an exciting time, but not quite as exciting as this one, show right now. So thank you. And blessed be folks. Until next time, this is Ed the Pagan. Until I see you, remember, keep the faith.